Friends, I'm going to invite you to be seated. Um, and once the, once the kids and students leave, um, they're going to start their part of the morning where they have... Um, okay, thanks, Chris. They're going to have a great morning, and I think so are we. So uh, last week, there was a six-year-old boy, Jason, and his younger brother who were baptized together, and as they're getting back into the car... Um, you know, they've gotten lots of kudos from mom and dad, and, but uh, Jason is really kind of silent and looks pretty serious. And so they get on the, the highway as they're heading back toward home. Um, dad looks back in the mirror and sees that Jason is starting to tear up. And then his, he whispers to his wife, and, his, and then Jason's mom says, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, and she said, honey, we were so proud of you. Don't be sad. And he didn't say a word, and he just... They kept driving closer and closer to home, and then his, his little tears turn into big tears, and then he starts sobbing as they get near the driveway. And he said, please, please, what's wrong? And Jason said, the pastor said he wanted me and Jared to be brought up in a Christian home, but I want to stay with you guys. <laughs> So there's that. <laughs> so, my friends, I want to talk to you today about the final message in our series, Parenthood. And uh, this might need to be uh, run from the back. We have like, you know, I don't know if Satan really is involved with internet issues, but I'd be willing to write a, write a suggestion. Okay, he's coming on. Anyway, so I wanted to ask... Um, how many of you were here at the baptisms and dedications? Uh, all right, so a good bit of you. Uh, not all of you. If we could, uh, I just wanted to run through some. If we can see some from the, from the slideshow, we've got a few from last week. I will say that no pastor here said those things to Jason. In fact, Jason wasn't caught prairie baptized, but I did want you to see. All right, so we, have some, we had some dedications, three dedications early on. And then um, for the Backmans and the Seagrists, and then we had Reagan Doyle, and then Avi uh, Perez Matthews, and then one of his moms, um, Whitney Perez Matthews, was there baptized at the end. And so uh, it was a great day. And I wanted to say this, that one of the questions I asked all the parents was the following. I said, parents, you are the chief teachers of discipleship in your child's life? And essentially, are you willing to be that now? Well, Paul gives us from his scripture, or from his uh, letter to his kind of protege and almost adopted son, Timothy, he gives us the following. There we go. If I can see the... I remember your genuine faith, for you share that faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. But you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So that's a pretty strong reminder from the New Testament Scriptures, right? That Parents are the chief teachers in their children's life of discipleship. Now, just a, a little bit of a, a hall pass for those of you who don't think that 
it turned out the way you wanted it to as you raised your children. And most all children, not all, thankfully, but many children have, a, have kind of a rebellious period where they're trying to define themselves separate from their parents. Even if they love the parents and agree with most of the things in their head, their heart says, don't agree with them. <laughs> so you do have a lot of children, a lot of students, a lot of young adults who, who push away the faith push away the example that um, you parents have made, that we parents have made, and then spend the rest of their life, hopefully not the all of it, deciding whether they want to claim that faith for themselves. And whether that happens, a lot of times depends on the community of the not parents that they find in a church like this. So last week I talked about the three emotional needs that kids have. Um, the consistent needs, regardless of you know faith background or or cultural situation, and that's loving touch, that's abundant time, and that's affirming talk. In fact, I showed just how imperfect of a dad I've been, or have been, um, when uh, my son Jeremy and I, we, uh, you saw us on the video last week where uh, Pastor Chris filmed us in one of the nooks of the coffee shop outside, and um, Jeremy kind of reflected on how did we do with loving touch, abundant time, and affirming talk. But today, I want to remind us that parents also need spiritual tools to raise the children that they long to have, to raise strong and independent and joyful and, and persistent, persevering, kind adults. And so I've got a couple of suggestions for today. So it was two weeks ago we talked about the three main emotional needs that kids consistently have. And today I want to talk about the persistent spiritual needs that kids have. And now the kind of the onus is on you, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, aunt and uncle, coach, teacher, whatever. Now the onus is on you to role model for kids as things start to get bumpier. Whether that's bumpier in your children's lives or bumpier in the real world that you're helping your children navigate through. So the first one of those is to model a consistent life. Model a consistent spiritual life. Now, in our family, everybody knows when we sit down to eat, we bow our heads to pray. And I, don't, I hate being so patriarchal about it, but like everybody's like, you're the talker, how about you pray? I'm like, all right, so I, I pray. And, and sometimes my youngest son will groan, like, take it's going to take another 15 seconds before I can eat these chicken nuggets. <laughs> but... When I forget, or honestly, sometimes I'm so grumpy because it took so long to get there and the food and whatnot, and I'm just, I can't pray like this. And so I'll just start eating. And then Eli will say, hey, aren't you forgetting something that I don't want to do? <laughs> and we have prayers over nearly every meal. But it's, it's, not just, it's not just the need of a family to pray. It's other spiritual things, too. It's for our children to see us reading Scripture, doing a Bible study. Heck, I've got a 6 a.m. group of guys that, that we meet for an hour online, though, so we can roll out of bed if, if, that's, your, if that's your schedule. We do the, we've done this for four months. It's just winding down. By the way, there's going to be a new um, co-educational, so men and women's version we're going to do live here um, starting in September. But... For kids to know that dad not only gets up to do this Bible study, but he's been reading a chapter of Scripture every day and a book a couple chapters on top of it. Your kids are going to remember that. 
So yeah, to model a consistent spiritual life is super important. And then to model repentance and grace. So Romans 12 has this great verse by Paul that I want to show. Um, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's so important because God wants us to look at our lives as things that need change. Our minds need to change. The, the, the word for repentance is, you know, to turn around your mind. Meta means turn or, or can mean turn. And then noeo means is uh, I'm thinking or I'm perceiving. And so this, this every, every so often in our adult lives, we need to change the way we think. And by doing that, our kids learn something about, you know, it's not, a, it's not an inconsistent or immature thing to change your mind. Now, if you want to grow up to be one of those people that say, that politician changed their opinion, you know, then maybe this, this part of the message isn't for you. But if you believe that grown-ups get new information, get new self-awareness, and then sometimes change their mind, this is a good thing to model to your kids. And it's not just what we do to repent and change our mind, particularly vis-a-vis how we behave with our family or our kids, but then having the grace and encouragement to shower on our kids when they do the same thing. So changing our mind, like Paul said in Romans 12, is important. But then I want to turn you to the, the end of the prodigal son, or, or mid-prodigal mid son. You know the story of that. I won't go over it. But I'm, I want you to think about what it was like for that, for that runaway son, that young adult who asked, insulted his family, took half his dad's money, so his dad had to liquidate some of the assets. Not cool, right, if you're still in the middle of a, growing your business. And then he, he squandered it partying and drinking and who knows what they squandered things on. Probably the partying part. Um, but eventually it came to his, he came to his self-awareness that the lifestyle he was living was no longer supportable by dad's money and it was no longer where he wanted to be. If you remember the story, he ends up feeding pigs when pigs were um, unclean animals to, to the Jewish uh, community. So anyway, he decides to go home and he plans to tell his dad I'm really, really sorry. Just let me work in the servants. I'll be a servant. Put me up in the uh, servants' quarters and treat me like one of your hired men and, and it'll all be cool. Please, Dad? <laughs> so this is what Scripture says here in Luke uh, 15, 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son started the speech and said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, which, by the way, in that culture was entirely on point. He really wasn't. But then his father did this. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. That sort of mixture of repentance and grace. The son repented, the father had grace. A lot of times it's the, the father who needs to repent and the son who needs to show, or the child who needs to show grace. Speaking of, last or two weeks ago when I, when I did the sermon with the three video clips of Jeremy and me, um, you got to see me and my son talking through some stuff from the old days. Um, he actually answered 
uh, a couple more questions. And so I want you to take a look at Jeremy and me in our fourth interview question about parenting so today, through trouble. Sorry. So today's question is about healing through trouble or, or reconciliation after trouble, Jeremy. And do you remember how did we do if you were having a difficult time in your life, if you were having a difficult time with your brother, or, as I remember most clearly, a difficult time you and me? I, I think the important thing was giving each other space to cool off. I think we realized after very, a lot of errors that immediately trying to discuss and fix a problem in the heat of any moment um, was a very horrible decision and would lead to you know, holes and walls. So, right. uh, but I think the fact that you know, both of us were willing and able to step away for a day and just get that time to breathe and then come together, whether it's at night um, whether it's you know in, in the morning or, or whatever and just kind of like talk about it and, and learn to forgive each other whether it was something I did to you or something I felt you did to me um, looking back at it like that's how I still deal with conflicts today is I, I you know tell the other person I need time I just need to step away for a minute cool off get my thoughts together and then come back and everything's great well that's pretty cool that you learned that from dear old dad yes. right? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I remember, Jeremy, when you and I were kind of doing a, a retrospective on, you know, our journey together as father and son, and um, I remember that I had seen you do something that seemed so mature, so different than I was at your age, and I said to myself, what's different? I mean, obviously, we're not genetically related, right, as, as you're adopted, but I thought, what's so different? And I realized, because of our because of our battles, our struggles, you had a lot of practice with, with dealing with another adult who did stuff wrong. And you had practice forgiving me, and, and I just, I mean. I mean, looking back at it, I was not an easy child to raise. So it wasn't all you, <laughs> you know, it definitely, uh, it takes two to tango, but right. um, yeah, I think, I think both of us really grew mm -hmm. together, whether it was through things like a breakthrough, which we've both gone through, mm -hmm. um, or, or just trial and error and learning each other and growing. I think, you know, having that ability to, to kind of learn how we all operate mm -hmm. and, and being able to operate at the higher level and, and learn to forgive yeah. is really important. Yeah. And giving each other grace, knowing that we're both gonna mess up. I mean, nobody's perfect, right. you know, as much as I wanted you to be. Yeah. The, truth, the truth is you weren't, and I wasn't right. by any stretch of the imagination. So I think you know, being able to accept each other's flaws and understand it's okay, it's going to get better, and, and mm -hmm. you know, it's all going to work out in the end. Yeah. So yeah, one of the best things I've done in my parenting life is teach my son how to forgive me. <laughs> so, um, but I have seen him, as you can imagine, um, carry that same spirit of grace not only that he learned in interacting with his parents, but that he learned from role models here in the church. And, and speaking of role models in the church, I, I want to um, go to point three in this spiritual tool chest. Equip children to live wisely and joyfully. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can do this. There's a lot of ways that you can equip your children if they have emotional needs that are, are overwhelming them. You know, take them to counseling. 
right? If they have friendship problems and share with them some of what you went through as a child or as a student or young adult and let them know that at least from your perspective as a parent or grandparent, coach or teacher, they're not in this alone. It has happened to others before and we survived. Um, But there's also what I believe is critically important and, and it does, critically important doesn't mean everybody's got to do it or else they're going to not turn out well. But it is such an easy and helpful and family energizing thing to do. And that's get involved with a student or youth group. You know, um, the student groups, whether they're for high schoolers going on mission trips and, and camps or whether they're upstairs now um, learning a lesson with actually Pastor Chris is teaching up there now and Drew does, our youth director at many other times, Um, or whether it's uh, in middle school where they are starting to get out their youthful energy and and whatnot. Um, These are important times for kids. And one of the things your church family can do is help your your nuclear family or your extended family with the sometimes intimidating task of raising our children together. So um, I asked Jeremy, we were closing up the the video filming, and I asked him maybe for one other question, and, and then he said this. Well, I want to say, Jer, I'm grateful that you've um, started with, I know you work a lot of hours, but you, you're here frequently on Sunday mornings to volunteer in the, in the sound ministry and stuff, and um, as a dad, I was really grateful that you, you liked being here at church sometimes, but a youth group all the time. Oh, yeah, I loved youth group growing yeah. up back in the day. Uh, it was one of my favorite things to go to, to see my friends and hang out for that night. And um, You know, even though if I didn't really care about the message because I had heard it 10,000 times at home, um, uh, I, I really enjoyed getting to spend time with friends and, and grow and grow my faith. I mean, I have questioned it on a lot of occasions, but now I'm way stronger in my faith than I ever have been before. And a lot of that is, you know, knowing and understanding that um, we grow as people. Well, that's going to make a dad proud. Proud enough, I might even want to buy you dinner. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. All right, dear man, I love you so much. You Thanks too, for doing this. Mm-hmm. It'll make me able to preach a shorter sermon. Of course. <laughs> love you, man. Love you, too. Maybe. So, here we are, um, thinking about parenthood. This is the end of the, the sermon series, and um, those three things that I've talked to you about, model consistent spiritual life, model encourage repentance and grace, and equip your children to live wisely and joyfully, those, those I really, really believe in, and that is often and mostly the case for most of us parents and families. With those three things and the three emotional needs we talked about two weeks ago, we can walk the walk. Most days, not perfectly, but perseveringly. But there are times when things in our children's lives or things in our, in our external life get really, really hairy. And there are some times when we feel we need to or think about whether we should rescue our children. So the fourth and last point is I think As parents, we need to think through, pray through, when to just walk alongside, when to accompany our kids through difficulty, or when to try and rescue. This is what culture says. 
if you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Whoa! Man. <laughs> so, sometimes we parents think that we have that sort of skill set. I mean, not literally, hopefully. Um, I know, know some of you probably do because you're ex-military and all that, but... Um, but most of us don't, and even if you are all talented in that way, right? I mean, it's not a Hollywood set. You make one screw up, and you, know, you don't get a do-over. Most of the time when we're dealing with problems that we need to save ourselves and our family from or our children from, they're much more ordinary. They're much more earthy. You know, if you remember the story of, well, you know what? The story of this really interesting construction worker from um, Galilee um, named Yosef uh, Ben Yaakov and his wife, Miriam, and we know them as Mary and Joseph, they really quickly, after Jesus' birth, got a, got a warning from God through an angel that Joseph needed to pack up the family and, and flee become refugees and go to Egypt. And um, meanwhile, the same angel told the wise men that they needed to go home the different way so they didn't have to turn back to Herod because Herod was out to kill the baby boy. And what happened was he ended up slaughtering thousands of baby boys because he was looking to get to and exterminate Jesus of Nazareth. So that's pretty scary stuff. And our Lord Jesus and his mom and dad role modeled that that's what parents sometimes have to do. And, and that's been an element of, of Jewish hospitality rules since the beginning. If you remember the story of Hagar, she was kicked out of the camp by Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was the one that she slept with and produced her, her son Ishmael. They were kicked out of the camp and would have died of thirst and hunger or wild animals except the Lord sent an angel to rescue them. And then there's, then there's the story of Elijah and the, the widow from Zarephath who's, who he went into her house and said, you got to feed me, I'm starving. She took care of him and then her son died and then he raised him up from the dead. So God has a history of acting through hospitality. And he has a very soft spot and a deep heart and feeling for immigrants. Look at Leviticus 19, if you would. Do not take advantage of foreigners, foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born Israelites and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. I tell you when, when Yahweh puts the reminder that, by the way, he is the boss of you at the end of something, that means you really got to listen. He's the Lord our God. I want to tell you quick about how I learned about immigrants. I grew up in a traditional Lutheran church in the farm country of Belvedere, Illinois. This is what it looked like last Sunday when I grabbed a screenshot of the, um, of the church service. 
And this is what it looked like when I was seven. Can you spot the Pastor Dan? Yeah, that's me, second from the left on the bottom row. Um, Altar hasn't changed. The gospel hasn't changed. But what made me remember that chapter in my life was that our church took in a Hmong refugee family. This is a picture of Hmong uh, fathers begging back in Southeast Asia to be taken home. And then this next picture is one of graduates at uh, University of California, Chico, I think, um, who are Hmong background and, and the progress that they've made assimilating as a culture. Now, America hasn't always done refugees right or fairly. The debacle, getting um, Afghan and Iraqi translators and people who were supportive of our, our, of our work there is painful to think about. I see these uh, um, Afghani refugees coming into the, an airport here in the U.S. and praying, gosh, I hope... I hope the United States can rise to the occasion. And then I remember in 1930, I don't remember in 1939, just for clarity's sake, but I remember the story of the United States doing the same thing as Cuba did when a boatload, a shipload of Jewish refugees from Germany came over. Neither country, Cuba or America, would give them, would give them a visa to get off the ship. Here you see a um, a picture, this is off Cuba, of the Cuban Coast Guard p- pushing back these Jewish Europeans and not letting them get off in Cuba. This next picture of a, of a mom, mother crying next to her two daughters because she could not get a visa to safely get her children to safety. And then this picture of, of the ship returning to Antwerp, Belgium, Belgium with all original 900 passengers because nobody, that's not maybe true, they got a couple visas in New York or something, but most, all of them couldn't get this ticket to safety and freedom. And when they returned to Belgium, when they returned to Nazi-occupied Europe, about one-third of the people in that picture went to concentration extermination camps. But, the politicians of our country at that time said, you know what, there's rules, they've got to follow the rules, and there's only so many visas for Germans. So there you go. So the history of even Christian countries is pretty, pretty iffy about being good, being Christian to refugees. Here's a picture of Ukrainian individuals um, fleeing the Ukraine after Russia's brutal invasion. And now I want to show you the picture of a particular family of very intelligent, educated, good-hearted, and brave um, Ukrainians. And this is the picture um, of the Fomasov, Fomasova family. And they are in America now, thanks to one of our elders and her husband taking them in and doing all they can to raise them up. And this picture is here, Mike and Patty Garrity at the airport, we have that there. And I think we have from left to right, Yulia, her dad and mom, Vitali and Olena, and her younger sister, uh, Diana. And that's Patty and Mike, who you know. But we don't just have pictures of them. Um, we have them. I'm just going to ask, would you guys want to come up? You can say, no thanks. But 
if you wouldn't, uh, I'm sorry that I let the microphone go. Um, yeah, come on up. Patty and Mike, you can come with them too if they... <laughs> so, come on up. Let's say welcome. Okay. Well, welcome to both of you, <laughs> all of you. And um, I just wondered if you, so there's still one more daughter. I think she's closer to being a teenager. Oh, she went to restroom. See, an American teenager would say, I'm not going up there with you guys. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> come on up, Yulia. So, Olena, I wonder if, if we could just ask you to say a couple words about how you came here and what your first two weeks in America have been like. <clears throat> or less. <laughs> First, firstly, I would like uh, to say thank you, uh, all you American society, and uh, especially our family, like our family, my children, uh, and um, I uh, call them grandma and grandpa, <laughs> really. And nobody um, said them that, okay, just call uh, such uh, people, grandma and grandpa. It was when we were in Ukraine and when we um, were uh, writing on via email, I uh, told my um, children, my husband, what I'm talking uh, with Mike and Patty. And uh, it was like from inside that, okay, it's our grandpa and our grandpa. And even yesterday I uh, talked with my mom who uh, stayed, um, who um, left in Ukraine. And uh, she uh, said that, okay, pass, pass, or give a hug. Um, the family who loves uh, your family, like I love you. <clears throat> and... I know that uh, most of you, or all of you, um, pray for us, Patty says uh, such, and I'm so grateful for this. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming up. So, um, you guys can go back to your seats, but you will be able, but you will be able to see them um, in the lobby. I'm going to just show this little this slide up here. We've got a list of the things that are happening out in the lobby. Um, you can greet the Fomachov, Fomachova family um, with Mike and Patty. Jen Thomas, Thrivent person, will be out there. There is small groups and classes information. And a special shout out, if you have some IT skills and you would like to see our KP Kids program have less hiccups and bumps, um, Lance Huggins is going to be meeting here in the sanctuary um, for any women or men who have IT skills because we just have some issues. And we'd like to help our kids get learned with fewer get burned, get learned with fewer bumps. So uh, let me just pray, and then uh, we'll, we're going to sing this song that reminds us how much we matter to God, how desperately God wants to run after us and, and bring us, whether, whether they can ever go home to Ukraine or not, God wants to put them safely in his house, in his home, with his family, wherever they live. And for right now, that's here. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blessing it is to have, to have the responsibility and joyfulness of, of welcoming and supporting 
um, this beautiful family. We thank you for the role model leadership that Mike and Patty are giving to all those of us, Lord, who might have extra room and might have the ability to help families or, or teenage students and, or children, Lord. We, we just pray that we would rise to the occasion, not just with our own family, Lord, but with the broader family of Christ, of whom you are the Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And Lord, even when our lives can't produce the parenting results that we long for, remind us, Lord, that you are always the one who can. And we trust you and we pray this in Jesus' blessed and holy name. Amen. Once again, for the Fomachov family. Amen.